0: This is Daniel Clemens from Shadow Dragon. Before we made this episode, one of the first topics that we kind of explored was how does this this topic of COVID-19 really tie into Shadow Dragon commercially? And the answer is really simple. There is no commercial tie-in to Shadow Dragon. But the deeper connection lies in our constant curiosity and pursuit of truth. We've been monitoring the COVID-19 events and observed that we need to dig in deeper with experts in the field to find information that isn't skewed by political Rhetoric or one news channel's perspective. In this episode, we explore that dialogue, and in our podcast, we aren't the experts in all the topics at hand, but we know where to get experts and have the candid conversations. The intent is to explore information around this topic. This episode is long, and we will get sources for you published on the blog. The information discussed, our opinions, and dialogue. Please verify the information and theories shared on your own time. The doctor interviewed had requested to not publish his identity in this piece, and we respect that, and hope you will as well. Please enjoy the podcast. Well, I'm gonna not really say your name because we want to we want to um, kind of keep some. Um, privacy for you. Sure. um, But we do want to kind of explore this issue because I think that this, the the COVID-19 response and, you know, information that's flying out there, there's a lot of disinformation, there's a lot of stuff being pushed all over the news, there's, you know, it's just really chaotic and I, I don't personally remember a time when there's just been so much information out there that contradicts itself and we've all just been stuck at home forever, so... Um, c- kind of one of the first questions I want to ask you to begin with was how long have you been practicing medicine can you give us some insights into some of that um, without disclosing you know your identity but you know also kind of sharing your authority in some of these subjects
1: sure I guess I've been in medicine 16 uh, really out practicing on company for about 11 um, background training that I love my passion was microbiology, uh, to some extent, epidemiology as well. Very fascinating how they they work together. Um, But, you know, medicine and and surgery is what I always wanted to do. So, you know, start off with a career in general surgery before I begin to specialize. But, um, you know, also a business owner and with about 45 employees. So half of my time is spent, um, you know, learning as much as I can about business. I never went to business school surrounding myself as much as I can with very smart business people. They're good at the things that I'm not good at. Um, and, uh, and being a surgeon. So, um, this whole experience and having that perspective, you, you hit the nail on the head. There is something very unusual about this from a medical standpoint about the way it's being handled. Um, about the way we're being, as physicians, communicated with by our state medical boards, and even about what the leaders of these really, I mean, really respected leaders of, of organizations, medical organizations, and and and, and journals, and I, I don't really understand. They're saying things that actually don't match the science, and they're telling us to go along with them.
0: Right, and could so could you give us an example of where, where, medical professionals are giving out information that don't match the science from your perspective as a professional
1: sure and this is where i don't even want to mention my name because I've, I've already received two two letters one directly to me from a, one state medical board and one was just generic to all the doctors mm-hmm. saying basically be quiet don't talk about it." all the hydroxychloroquine which is paquinol or chloroquine phosphate that's the anti-malarial drug Or when you're using it in combo with zithromycin, be quiet. It's off label. You know, shouldn't be using it. Of course, some states have just come down and said, you know, you're not allowed to prescribe it at all, or even cities are stopping it. That's very weird. Right. And
0: now, kind of, we're laymen, and our mm -hmm. audience is going to be laymen as well. Tell us about that drug a little bit more, or the the combination of those drugs a little bit more. These are common things that have been in the industry and known for a long time. Is that correct?
1: That's absolutely true and i'll explain in the best way i can about why these um, how they interact why we think they're working so well but before i do what i want to explain what's weird about it is this we clearly have incredible incredible data on some drugs or devices or diagnostics that work really really well and the more we use them the more studies the more we confirm and confirm right Mm -hmm. But medicine, that's why they call it practicing medicine. You never really know for sure, Mm -hmm. and times change. At some point, you have to pull the trigger and use certain medicines, or for that matter, diagnostics. So, safe. Now, there are many medicines that we use off-label, meaning this drug was, say, developed for disease A, and it turns out there's really promising results uh, that can help for disease B, and you already know the drug is very safe, so we use it off-label for disease B. I've never seen ever a letter when... Uh, there's many drugs that are used off-label. There's many diagnostics you'll do, that this diagnostic to, the, to, to detect this disease. Actually, it may be good for this. I've never received a letter ever saying, don't practice medicine, basically.
0: <laughs> right, don't and and th- also, I mean... The reason you get liability insurance is, as a professional is for the act of practicing some of this medicine. I mean, right. I'm I mean, just getting to the basics, you know. Right. Like,
1: and let's let's give a caveat here. Let's say a drug is very dangerous. Like it says some chemotherapy drug can really, really hurt you and it might be good. And we know it's good for disease A. It might be good for B. Well, of course, then you cautiously dip your toe into it. OK. Because, you know, it could be dangerous. You're, you're balancing what we always call the RBAs, the risk, benefits, and alternatives of every treatment plan we do for patients. Here you're dealing with drugs, and I'll go more into them, but that are extremely safe, okay, very, very safe, and they're showing extreme promise. I mean, P-values that if you really trust that first study, you know, the, the one that, that came out of that uh, the Mediterranean Journal, the, the, the French doctor, I'm forgetting his name now, but incredible results and then you're starting to hear reciprocating results coming more anecdotally from one case to the next case to the next case small little groups little cohorts it really seems to be working so well and you realize you're dealing with a very safe drug why is there such a shut the door response from state medical board it is like cease and desist don't even talk about these medicines now we always, as doctors, if you're using something off-label, you educate your patient that this is being used off-label, but it looks like it's very promising and it's very safe, and we're going to use it. That happens right. all and,
0: the time. And, and just, just to, you know, re-clarify before we go down that road a, a little bit too, too much, your, your surprise is just the fact that um, you received specific letters to your practice—
1: from multiple yeah, states? They're, 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 right. Yeah, there were emails. Um, right. Uh, and actually, one actually came across a fax, too, which was interesting, off our office fax machine. And one was a generic one to all doctors of this one state, because I hold multiple licenses in several states. Mm-hmm. And um, there could be other letters. I just maybe didn't get them. And one was specifically addressed to me.
0: Now, let's kind of go back on the timeline. Um kind of exploring that that being specifically addressed to you, you were a little bit ahead of the timeline of of a few of the large agencies and state medical um, entities even in ordering some of these drugs. And do, you know, that's probably why you got that letter to begin with. Is that safe to it, say? it
1: could it could be, but they didn't even here's the funny thing. When I was really watching this going on, I was really paying attention back in January. I was like, oh, man, this is big. This isn't the normal virus. This is not the flu. This is not the cold. Because the way this is contracted, it's, it's so highly contagious. Um, and the part of the reason is you're not even showing symptoms, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and people clearly like no symptoms. They feel great. And not for one day. Like When you get the flu, a day and a half later, you've got symptoms. This is like a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like a week that you're feeling good, before you contract it. Okay, that that means that person is out and about, grocery shopping, filling gas, doing everything, and that just is a multiple, multiple, multiple of them. They're going to have another, you know, twenty people that have another twenty people that, you know, that they. You can just see how the math goes exponentially.
0: Right. right. Uh, yeah. I, I remember looking at the R naught values to begin with because I, I I originally thought, well, this seems so crazy. You know, the R naught value on this was, was exceedingly high. And, and it was like, well, is that true? Is it untrue? Let's wait for some medical opinion on that.
1: Sure. Well, when I, I saw this and I said, OK, this is very serious, this is going to spread. I really started doing my homework as quick as I could. I have a lot of physician friends throughout Europe because of my organizations that I know. And I travel a lot and speak a lot, I Did a lot of research for some medical devices. And um, and, you know, I've made so many friends throughout Asia and Europe. Some of the things they were telling me and some of the studies I was reading that take a little time to get translated, and make it back over to to the States. I was like, holy cow, there, there really might be some some things we can start doing. Sure. And then I saw this, this, this Plaquenil study and I was like, holy cow, that's not just a little bit helpful. If this study was done well and there were no other confounding factors, this is like the C word, cure. Now, you have to confirm studies. You need to do larger amounts. But if you're in the middle of a crisis and you're dealing with a safe drug and the results were as powerful as they were, The first thing you do is you take those critically, critically ill people and you start trying anything. You know, I mean, there's that saying, right? You go into battle with the army that you have, right? Right. You don't just sit there and say, oh, I give up. You got it. You got to go with the army that you have. And then what you do is you immediately start other studies to confirm. And it should be quick. We've already had plenty of time to do other studies. Like that was, gosh, a month or two ago.
2: Mm-hmm. We could have
1: easily already done those other studies, which makes me think maybe a lot of them already have been done, but it's like there's a concerted effort, not just of the media, but of the medical community to kind of hush, hush, don't talk about these drugs. They're not approved. Um, it's it's just weird.
0: Right. So, and, I mean, from, from my perspective, it, it, there's a, there's if, if I don't know anything about any of this stuff, it just seems like there is a lot of fear. Um, to begin with uh, but then it seems like there's a lot of control going forward on a lot of things and then what you're saying is There there's a possibility for a solution something that you've observed other doctors have observed um, Can we step back a little bit and and actually talk about you know How does COVID-19 work
3: and also I want I have a, another clarifying question earlier you were talking about um prescribing a drug off label i believe
1: well it's the use that it's been declared uh that it's it's fda indicated for this use okay okay and so but then you have drugs that show a lot of promise you may notice now that you're using them well wait a minute we've been given this drug for this you know i mean looks like we've been getting aspirin for years because people have headaches and it makes their headache go away or you know some inflammation or you know ibuprofen aspirin to help fever go down wait a minute we're seeing decreased rates of colorectal cancer wait a minute you know, the people that take aspirin actually have less of that. Then we should be given aspirin daily to decrease risk of colorectal cancer and people at risk. So then you could basically start giving it off label for that. Mm, right. Okay. It's not really FDA approved for that, but you start to see some drugs that may help for one thing and then really help in another. You may not even know the mechanism yet, but you already know it's a safe drug. So why not? So if the worst case scenario is, and that's what I did. I saw, I, I said, okay, well, let me go ahead and get some of this. Because when I got mine, like you had mentioned before, that I got mine before any other physician in the city, before even the big hospitals and all the infectious disease doctors, I jumped on it because I said, well, let me just get a sum for me, my family, my staff, just in case um, that I need to be able to treat, because I've got I've got patients. And if any of my patients that I've operated on get ill, I can at least treat them and make sure I keep the, keep my staff safe and keep them safe. Um, and, and that includes me, because I don't want to go around spreading it. And if this turns out to be good, great. If not, fine. So I care just a little bit, just enough for us uh, to do that. Well, interestingly, I do that. Then all of a sudden you see, you know, a week or so later you hear the president talk about it and boom, almost instantly all the drugs are on back order. And, and, and tell
0: us again the combination. We're, we're going to go through asking you the combination of, of these drugs a few different sure. times. Uh, but because I, I got a whole structure of questions that we can kind of sure. go through. But tell us well, again, we, you know, so people at home can write this stuff down and, um, you know, go look you know, at it themselves.
1: To, to understand um, uh, the main drug that's really helping reduce the viral load. See, the virus, um, the virus needs your cells to replicate, to live. Once it's out of the body, if it doesn't have some place to keep replicating and making tons of viral particles, it, it'll die. It can live on some services a little better than others, probably the most reliable studies maybe living for three days on, on metal and plastic services, some places claiming longer, but that's probably the most reliable, okay? So it's got to get in your cells and make make more of them. So anything that inhibits the virus's ability to either get in the cell or to replicate once it's in the cell or any little n- numerous things along that process, you're going to ultimately reduce your viral load to the point where it's low enough in your body, your body can kill it and get rid of it, Okay. Uh, while, while ramping up its own antibodies and other immune to, to to get rid of it, okay? The main drug that seems to be inhibiting this process without getting into nitty-gritty seems to be the hydroxychloroquine. Now, hydroxychloroquine is the same drug as Plaquenil, which is very commonly used for rheumatoid arthritis and for lupus. There's also chloroquine phosphate, very, very similar drug in the way it works, uh, think of hydroxychloroquine maybe is a little less toxic than the, the chloroquine phosphate. But the chloroquine phosphate is the one that we've known we've used for a very long time for prevention of malaria. Okay? And this is not like a new drug. This is a drug that's actually been in, oh my gosh, I, I really wonder how long humankind has had this drug. Maybe a thousand years. I don't know. Because it's in tree bark. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been used, you go way back, way back civilizations, and there's references maybe to this drug being used. Before we, like, professionally we able to extract it and, and make it in a lab, that sort of thing. Think of the vehicle that actually gets the job done, okay, um, as as the hydroxychloroquine. Okay, you can use either use hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine phosphate, either one. Consider those two interchangeable. That's the vehicle. Now, you can put some turbo gas into that vehicle, and that's azithromycin. A lot of people know that drug as Z-Pak only because it comes in several pills in a pack and it was commonly used for the common cold. Um, But really, Z packs are supposed to be for bacterial infections, not for viruses. But they were prescribed a lot anytime time out of cold, just in case they had a little sinusitis, any any component of it was bacterial, Mm -hmm. okay? Turns out when you combine the two, they work in a way, in a symbiotic way, to really ramp up uh, the ability to drop that viral load significantly. And that's what you saw in that first early study, was that there was a huge reduction of the viral load within five to six days i don't know two thirds or so and then a 100 percent reduction in the viral load and about 12 patients or so when they combined them both now you don't need a large study if you just have 10 people in each group which is what they did in the study you had about 10 to 15 or so in a control group that got nothing 10 to 15 or so that got chloroquine phosphate only and then 10 to 15 or so that got uh both of them the the, the group that got both zero viral load in five to six days. You don't need a group of 1,000 when you have that level of result. When you maybe have a one to 2%, a 3% improvement, you need a huge amount of people to see that that's consistent. When you see that level of a drop, you get a very strong P-value, where basically you're saying, hey, this this, <laughs> this works, man. Now, now you have to confirm, was this just made up? Was there some other confounding factors? Was there something else that they were getting that was working and it wasn't these drugs, mm-hmm. right? But you quickly could do that, and that's what was weird. I, I, I would assume they did do that, right? And, right. Were, and we were seeing those results. So if you again, if you'll think about hydroxychloroquine as the vehicle, and think of the the zithromycin as the turbo gas, to really make it ramped up to go quicker. Now, also anecdotally, we know there's a lot of research out there that zinc supplementation really inhibits many different types of viruses from being able to replicate, used a lot for common colds. There's still some naysayers out there, but a lot of people really see enough data that they believe in it. There's also some other great anecdotal evidence that right, high dose vitamin C. Definitely vitamin D. You gotta be careful you can't oh you can actually vitamin D you can't overdose on. So uh, A, D, E, and K are fat soluble. So those are the those are the vitamins you gotta be careful. You can overdose on those. But a good supplementation of vitamin D, zinc, Maybe a few other little things like maybe it's n acetylcysteine You know that's used in patients who want to clear up the mucus a little bit, a little bit in their lungs. Some good supplements that we know work and help. In other words, if I told you, you know what, vitamin C does nothing for you. It does nothing for you. Okay, but it also doesn't hurt you at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, but the, but oh wait a minute, it might actually help. Turns out, wait a minute, it might help. If you knew that it was crazy safe, and it might help. And it was your mother or father or brother or sister or or kids and it might help and it's safe what do you have to lose Mm -hmm. yeah that's the weird thing about this we're not talking about a drug and they went on a terror in the media to make these drugs look like they were just so toxic that is not true at all
0: can you tell us about um on the COVID 19 what what is the structure of it do you when you well, when you okay, analyzed listen. it, do you think it's man-made? Do you think it's random? What, like, what, I, I wanna, what I are wanna your observations on that?
1: Uh, b- based on all of my reading that I've done, I'm not I'm not a virologist and I'm not in the lab, but I, I can do a pretty good sniff job and look through the research and see. And one of the most trusted places out there is, is the Scripps Research Institute. Okay, very very trusted. All right, and and not I'm very careful these days to read anything that turns out they're financed by the Chinese government. Right? I'm not going to trust any media outlet or any other company that's financed by them right now, okay? And not, I don't see anything about the script research that's funded by, by anything like, you the know, Chinese government, okay? Mm-hmm. So, And if you look at them, you know, looking, listen, to their virologists or, or, or people that can do so many uh, gene editing. Humans usually take the backbone, if you will, of a virus and begin to modify it if they're going to modify it, okay? So you should see a backbone that's similar to viruses that, that we already have. This one does not. It's a totally new looking backbone. Plus, when we typically do gene edits, there's certain type of gene edits like our, our current technology. You look for certain CRISPR edits or these other sorts of things that would show evidence that it was human to do it. From what I read from reliable sources, it doesn't appear as if this was man-made. A lot of questions. I even question that myself. Okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However, even with that being said, that doesn't look man-made. It clearly it's not easy for a brand new virus. It's not easy at all. I'm talking epically.
3: Yeah, <laughs> can you can for, you tell us for a, us a virus little bit to more? jump
1: from one species to the next? Mm-hmm.
3: And about how so, how would you describe the propagation of COVID-19?
1: So for me, like you are looking at a virus that that clearly came came from an animal. I, I think I think it really did. But for it just to jump, that's not very easy for it to do that. You would really want to get inoculated maybe with quite a bit or maybe quite a bit of an ongoing exposure before finally somehow it was able to trip inside. It's got to find a way in. Our cells are different than than animals, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's got to find some little protein or some little receptor or something to, to bind to to get in. If it can't get in our cells, it won't ever work it's like imagine i just took a key and i just went up to every house in my neighborhood and it's just a random key it's not going to unlock any of them i'm going to have to go across the entire u.s and finally hope that my key happens to unlock a door because it just happens to be close enough okay but if you unlock enough doors if you expose enough if you get enough keys in other words there's enough of this in other words If someone were to collect and harvest this virus out of the wild and make a ton of it you know actually build it up build it up and have tons and tons of samples of it and then you were to constantly expose other animals to it for testing and or humans were constantly being exposed to large amounts of it boom now you're setting up enough keys and enough doors to eventually something unlock i think the most plausible scenario is they were researching, they were a little sloppy, either an animal got out that was infected or someone there, some research person contracted it. This is when the setup, several people got sick. And that's when on January 3rd, when those scientists came and they saw these sick people, these doctors they said, oh my gosh, this is not SARS, this is not MERS, it's very similar, but oh my gosh, this coronavirus, it's like spreading like crazy. Mm -hmm. This one's bad. They told the Chinese National Health Commission on the 3rd, January 3rd. They said this is bad. And the words to those doctors were, shut up. You now have an official government gag order. And you better go right back to that lab and now begin destroying all the samples. And that didn't make any sense to me. If you have something randomly in the wild, I mean, that's how we get the flu virus every year. And we know how to get the vaccine is they look for the new mutations They relay the information, they make the vaccine, and we try to create the vaccine for the next go-around for the whole world. So you just go ahead and tell the whole world really quickly. uh, All right, let's see what we do. Let's start working together on this. They destroyed the samples. In fact, many of the doctors that were working on this, they've magically disappeared. We know about Dr. Lee. He was kind of a big mouthpiece saying, hey, this is bad, this is bad. He was a healthy 33-year-old doctor. He should have had a 1% mortality rate roundabout, and he happened to die of COVID that's a one in a hundred chance yeah so what's weird is if you put the pieces together is that I think they were testing it I think they were researching it I think they were growing it I think that it got out and they knew if we had the samples we'd be able to confirm that the ones that they've been culturing and growing are yes indeed the one that's now spread across the world and they were embarrassed it's like a hit and run and -hmm. I think oh my gosh now it's completely spread now you could come up with other nefarious things and say no 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 actually they did cultivate it and they did release it and there's reasons for that maybe uh you could say they wanted to hurt trump because all the trade deals okay i can understand people feeling that way maybe they said oh no it was created by another government and they dumped it off there i mean again you could go with all sorts of theories some would make more sense to have a different you know more powerful mo than others
0: right but i mean we're just trying to understand like do you think this is a man-made thing or not? And, and
1: I don't think it's man Just man-made. from a
0: scientific I, perspective. I, but do I,
1: I do think it was highly cultured and grown and, and, and concentrated. And they had tons of the sample, and they were experimenting, and it got out. And they could have the best to our knowledge. If you look at that study that came out of um, the U.K., they were looking at how fast it grew and you know, and how fast we've been able to respond. And the numbers were astounding. Mm-hmm. if we'd had a two weeks notice there would have been an eight, more of a notice we would have had an 86 percent reduction in the spread of this virus across the world and if we'd have had the full three weeks that they could have given us there would have been a 95 percent reduction according to their model across the world 95 percent you're talking about like let, let's say you do have across the world. And there were estimates that some, I don't know, your millions of people are going to die. Just, just take a number. Let, let's just take a number like 10 million. Then you're talking about 9.5 million unnecessarily deaths. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like three times Holocaust numbers. So this is a very big deal. And I, and I don't think that at, at all that, um, that China is uh, blameless and it's crazy conspiracy. No, they are crystal clear to blame for not at least blowing the whistle and say, hey guys, this is bad. They do that for the regular flu virus every year. Why didn't they do that for this?
0: Right, Mm right.
1: Because they, they have something to hide. Now it could be even more nefarious that it was made and released on purpose. I don't think they made it. I think that again, it came from, but that they released it on purpose versus it was an accidental spill.
0: Right. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think in anything complex, we have to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, um, it's, you know, it's China. We know that they, they kind of they're not going to be always honest on the things that they're pushing. They're not, you know, they, they want to have control internal to their their country more than anything else. I think that's their biggest fear. So I think just based on their natural. Demeanor, they're gonna wanna redact stuff in general. But um, you know, I, I have no real opinions on if this is, you know, some kind of targeted thing against the world or the US government or the US United States or Yeah, I mean
1: you know. there's all sorts of things out there, and I certainly understand people looking into it, but there's some things I also don't understand which actually hurt the cause of people who are just trying to be open minded. And think about this reasonably you should neither completely jump to conspiracy theories without any evidence or neither should you turn a blind eye and say that those things can't happen there's a balance obviously that should exist and the problem is for people coming up with crazy theories like you know i have never in my life read any single study ever showing that any radio frequency any radio waves infrared waves any any of these have any effect on any virus And how it's going to propagate the virus, and of course, there's all these theories out there about five G and the virus. I'm like, you know, if you do that, I've never seen a single thing of how somehow uh, uh, an internet signal of any type, um, anywhere along the spectrum, is ever going to affect or spread a virus. And if you if you take those theories and you really push them, then what happens is people who are being just reasonable and and looking at the evidence that is there that maybe something bad happened you get thrown in with the with the, with the crazy group
0: right right well and, <laughs> and 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 you know despite the crazy group that's out there that's pushing this weird you know rf stuff i don't really know much about it it just seems so absurd i'm like i can't believe anybody i can't believe this is even a headline anywhere you know um right. like i'm not even gonna read it it's stupid you know um you still have a a large amount of people that are under a good amount of stress and duress being homebound for this long amount of time in in a situation that I don't think any of us have ever experienced so there's there's other threats there I think that that can contribute to civil unrest or you know Other types of things um, just because people are just reading so much crap out there. And then also they can't leave their houses. And, you know, this thing is this huge mystery box. And, you know, like I just keep telling friends, I'm like, look, you know, this is going to be fine. We're going to get through this. Just stop getting on social media. How about that for an idea? You know, like. Please. if, If it bothers you this much, like just. Yeah. Don't get on there, you know, maybe read a book, you know, like,
1: yeah. You, you know, I guess the one thing that that's good is, you know, part of treating a disease, in fact, I shouldn't say part, if, if you really said, what is the most powerful treatment to any disease? Every time the right answer is the same answer, which is prevention and part of prevention of it's like, for instance, diabetes, the best treatment for diabetes is not insulin. It's preventing getting diabetes. Mm hmm. Okay, now I, when I'm referring more to type two, type one, when you can't really help it, is different. Okay, but I'm talking about like that's that that's the key. So part of prevention is being reasonable and saying, okay, how did this come about? And can't was it totally chance, and we can't prevent it, or is it something we could have prevented? Someone did this. So right. part of prevention and it does dip into the realm of of you know social and, and political things if this was actually used nefarious or at least if it did come and then someone pushed us under the rug and it hurt the rest of the world so these aren't just questions that we you should feel embarrassed to ask or or hide to ask because you're going to be called a crazy it should be all of our responsibility to be asking questions not to become paranoid and there's also a good timing for this right now we need to be focused on you know preventing and diagnosing and treating right now what's in our face but we also need to be saying how did this come about and can we prevent it and I, I tell you the part that just seems so weird and i don't know if i want to say the word concerning because i do think there's good cause but to come back to the medicines this because this is a really interesting part this is the part i can speak more to just as a position i just have never seen so many medical organizations come down so hard on saying do not talk about drug use off label when i i didn't even talk about that i just literally said a couple of times um, wow, this is really promising. I want everyone to have a lot of hope. I mean, the, the power of these studies and we're starting to see more and more doctors yeah. begin to say the same thing. And boy, I was shut down to be quiet. I didn't say anything. That So if I say, look at this guy's aspirin. Aspirin may turn out to help prevent colon cancer. No one would ever smack my wrist. In fact, they would praise me and say, really, let's do more research on that. And, and with this, it was be quiet. Now, there might be good reasons for it. It could be that they didn't want everyone to quickly go out and buy a bunch that they didn't need and, and we waste supplies that could be good for hospitals that need them. That's very reasonable, thoughtful. The other is you don't wanna give everyone so much hope that they say they stop self-quarantining and go party in the streets and start spreading the virus because they all think there's a cure, right? Yeah, that seems I, irresponsible, <laughs> maybe. Right, so, <laughs> so I do see a lot of value in that but, there's, but no one has out there been saying cure, cure, cure. Even our own president, he wasn't saying cure. He was saying it look very, very promising, and hopefully we've got more studies coming out on this. Right, and but boy, the focus is they...
3: on prevention at this
1: right. point. Right, the focus is on prevention, exactly. And, but it's okay to mention to people, to give them a little, little hope. That's what was so weird to me about this, is the way this was really so shut down to not even say a thing i guess unless they really had good intentions they didn't want to everyone to go out there and just go crazy and say hey there's a cure out there um
3: right so let's talk about the prevention a little bit more and we can we'll ask the embarrassing question on behalf of everyone who's too embarrassed to ask so what do you you know based on your research and everything that you found what does prevent infection what and you know what's the cost of that to an individual and then also like what do you think about the cost to i don't know
1: let this, this is this is probably what i've not seen in the news because you see so you see a lot of politicizing on both sides with it whatever mm-hmm. it makes a good story or whatever they can throw the other side under the bus if we really get down to like what you can do this is one of the things that's that's not really talked about of course distancing and of course washing your hands and of course those sorts of things but but they're not explaining that they're just telling you things If you would explain it to people, I think they'd do a better job of really not contracting or spreading it to others. The explaining part that's missing is to understand it's not like you come across one virus particle, one single virus, and it got in and you're infected. That's not the way viruses work. Mm -hmm. It actually takes some reasonable viral load, enough of them, that randomly, boom, they find some crack in your you're, you're like you're a moist throat, it's much more difficult for a virus to get in than when they find a little crack and it's able to get in, okay? Right. You have to get exposed to enough and maybe your are immune a little compromised so it's easier for it takes less of a load, but you have to have enough of a load of, of the virus for it to get in to be able to zero convert. It gets in, gets into the cells, it's able to begin replicating, then it goes through its incubation period where finally now you're showing symptoms, okay? So if you understand that, there's this feeling of there's no way I'll ever be able to not get it. It's everywhere. It's in the air. Oh my gosh. I read on the captain on the ship. It was it found particles 13 days later. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's sensationalizing. Sure. Okay. There's a difference between being able to tech a viral particle 13 days later and you can get enough of it to contract it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you will understand that when you do wash your hands, not to kill hundred percent of the virus, but to kill 99 point, whatever percent, It works. When you do social distance, it doesn't mean that guy coughed six feet from you. He's got it. Okay. Right. And you got no virus. No, it just means you only got exposed to 0.3%, not 100%. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you do distance, when you do wash your hands or use hand sanitizer, when you do take your groceries home, lay them out on your carport and spray them all down with Lysol before you bring them in. And then take your clothes off at the door because it does like to live in, live in fabric. Take shoes off, clothes off, maybe take a shower. Now bring all your stuff in because all the Lysol is now you know, evaporated. Mm-hmm. Then you bring them in and wash your fruit, wash the Lysol off. What you're doing is not getting rid of 100% of the virus. You're reducing that load 99 plus percent. Mm-hmm. So that your chances of contracting become virtually nil. So it's not hopeless. It does work. It means when you go to the gas station and you pump, you've already got the hand sanitizer in your hand and then you spray your hand. You don't leave it in your car. So when you get out of your car, you know, when you get back in your car, you, your hands are now, you know, got it on your hands from, from the last person that touched the pump. And then you go touch your car door handle. Then you get in your car, touch your steering wheel. Then you grab your hand sanitizer. Well, it's too late. Now it's on your steering wheel, and your door handle. Yeah, right. Yeah. You have your hand sanitizer on you, spray it. Boom. It's done the Mm -hmm. analogy I like to give people is imagine everywhere you go everything's coated in wet paint let's pick a color that's bright like bright red Yeah. everyone everyone every person is is, is dripping with red paint every item but there's no red paint floating in the air or at least the, the particles are so small you can't see it it's not really there now when you walk out of the grocery store you want the only thing that has any red paint on it to be your hands and the bottom of your feet Okay. You cannot help what you're walking on.
3: Right. And you have to pick things up.
1: That's right. But when you go and pick up the the bag of chips, don't lean over on the whole shelf. And now your whole body is covered in red paint. Don't lay. I literally see people with masks and everything on and they're literally laying on their cart. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Or they're swinging bags around of groceries. that were bagged by that person that's been treating people all day long. And those bags are touching all of their arms and they're swinging around their back and their chest. You know, you ought to think, I, in fact, when I even open doors, I, okay, I open my left hand. So my left hand is my dirty hand. Then every door I open, I'm a left hand until I can get to that bottle of hand sanitizer mm-hmm. or to the sink to wash my hands. When you begin to explain your reduction of particles and whatever you touch has now got the red paint on it, then then a light bulb goes off. And people go, oh, I see how to reduce. Oh, okay. So if I come, it's only my hands and the hand sanitizers in my pocket. I can now reach in my pocket, hand sanitizer on, and then even take a little sanitizer and rub the edge of my pocket where my hand just went in. Done.
0: Now, as far as other other preventative strategies, um, like you've you've explained some of the some of the stuff that works on people who've had uh, been you know infected, and there's studies that show that it's reduced the problem. Uh, after people have you know been sick, what about you know are there is there like preventive preventative things that you can take right now that studies have shown that would prevent even getting infected and not, having to, a, a, uh, not having to have a not having to have a mask or or other things like that.
1: Um, well, I'm going to give you one that's got crazy hope again. That's why I'm glad it's not my name out there. They're going to say that I'm spreading you know without without a study. I'm going to tell you one that I think. My gut, my medical and educated gut is going to tell me it could prevent it completely. Um, and then there's a lot of other anecdotal things like having very high, you know, really make sure you're supplement with vitamin C, vitamin D and zinc and and constantly having a moist palate and throat. And it also appears the virus is very sensitive to heat from what we can tell. Mm-hmm. So even having a little bit of tea throughout the day. There's even some thoughts, maybe some herbs, certain. We don't know, but definitely C, D, zinc. Um, um, And like I said, these warm beverages throughout the day appear to like help wash the virus down fairly well. Okay. Now, really hardcore prevention, of course, would be a vaccine. But what could you do until we get to the vaccine a year or so from now? It appears early. Now, I don't know for sure. My caveat is I'm a doctor. We need a real study. But it appears right now that people that are already taking Plaquenil, meaning they've already got rheumatoid arthritis or they've got maybe lupus and they're already on the drug, there are no cases of this that I know of. Now, maybe that was an early report that was wrong. But no cases of these people getting coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, here's an analogy. You know how there's a cocktail or a pill, at least, that you can give HIV patients, I'm sorry, not the patients, but people who are in relationships with HIV patients to prevent them from getting HIV, Mm -hmm. okay? The same drugs you're giving them are just smaller doses of a more powerful cocktail that the patient who's infected with it, but this is at least a smaller dose of just one drug you can give somebody. So if they do get a tiny little bit of minutiae exposure, they can't, quote, zero convert. Remember, I said you have to have enough of an exposure. Well, if if your exposure is at least enough to maybe contract, but you've already got a little bit of the medicine in you, so it doesn't have a chance to get that first little bit of replication in, Right. so the same sense, if Plaquenil is actually working to treat at its normal higher dose as a twice-daily dose, if you only gave that same dose but once daily, which should have virtually no – I mean, I don't want to say virtually no, but – extraordinary few and minor side effects if any then could that person ever even contract it Mm -hmm. and i have a funny feeling and i again this is a gut this i can't say this based on being a doctor but i'm gonna give you a gut feeling i would bet you anything that our president vice president and many other officials are already on it once daily because I think there's already enough little bit of anecdotal evidence popping up going, whoa, 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 whoa. And maybe if you just take this once a day, you can't contract it. And it may be why he feels so confident not wearing a mask. So, and again, what's the problem is this, is you, you, you don't have enough pills. If you've got 350 million Americans, I can't remember the last count of America's population, but let's I think it's somewhere around there. If you've got 350 million Americans, you're talking 350 million pills a day? Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't really have that.
3: Right. Okay. Are these drugs right. hard to manufacture, or are, are they really complicated, or...
1: They're actually very easy to manufacture,
3: uh-huh.
1: and, there's, and there's multiple places that can manufacture, and they're very cheap to manufacture. Wow. So, we are, I've already seen a big order come. Um, I don't know who actually did it, but I heard uh, our president talk about it, where they had ordered, gosh, like 200 million of these. And I think that the solution would be you get everyone to hunker down for just a couple more weeks... Then what you do is, and the people that are really sick, you, you use these drugs where it has a lot of promise, hoping that all this is true and we continue to replicate that this is working,
2: mm-hmm. okay?
1: Uh, and while, while we're doing a lot of other brilliant things, there's a there's an antiviral drug called remdesivir that has incredible promise it's being used as a research right now, by the way, and a few others. And there's studies. Um, gosh, you know, I see every, every day I see something really, really novel. There's one coming out of UAB where they're going to be using nitric oxide to help potentially open up the lungs a little bit, provide better vascular uh, flow in those areas. and Because so much of the what could the virus cause the problem, it's not just what it directly does to you, but indirectly the inflammation. I can talk about that in a second, but that's why it's killing people. Um, but all these things are happening. So if you could get everyone to calm down while you make enough of the drug, and also the other key is enough diagnostic tests that can give you a rapid result, there's the end game of the virus. So let me explain this again if you have a test that takes five to seven days, like the ones we've had in the past, no good. Right. right. It's already, it's already, you could already have it in your lungs. You're super, super sick. Mm-hmm. Okay. You finally get a result. You've already spread it to everybody. If I get a test that gives me a result in five minutes, like this new Abbott one, at worst, it, it takes 15 minutes. Now i have got a real test that any family practice doctor and any office and the country and every small little town can quickly diagnose anybody. So you get it all the, t- you get enough of these tests made Then you get enough of the pills that we confirm that it's working, done. Coronavirus is over. Mm -hmm. So you need the tests and you need the pills. And then you could ultimately just say, okay, we know everyone's going to get back out. It is going to spread a little bit. You could selectively only take the people that are at very high risk, age over 70, maybe any age over 40 and immunosuppressed. You come up with uh, parameters for high risk. And then be giving them once daily treatment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't have enough pills for everybody, but you take the high risk. If you have enough of the medicine, give it to the high risk folks once daily. If Again, if this is confirmed, I, I don't want everyone to say, oh, right, he's going around telling everybody that, you know, that, no, if it works, and I'm hopeful what I see that it works, then you give it to the high risk. Th- then it's end game for coronavirus. I mean, truly not theory, not what if it actually works. You give it to the high risk folks. Also, the people are get sick in the hospital, you get enough diagnostic tests. So as fast as Abbott can produce these tests, and I think there's a couple other companies that have come out with a test too, that's quick result and has a high sensitivity. You need a test to have a high sensitivity and specificity. Uh, let me explain that quick for the audience. Sensitivity means it catches it. 100 people are infected, and you need that test at least 97, 98% of the time to, to, to catch it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's sensitivity. Specificity means that it was it wasn't a false positive. Okay. You had a hundred people out there that didn't have it, but the test came back positive anyway. You want that you want that lumber to be low. You don't want it to have false positives. They had something else that cross-reacted and it made it look like you were positive. So it needs to be highly specific and highly sensitive. Those are good tests. When you have one that has those parameters and they can result really, really quick and you get enough of them made this is over as long as you have a treatment and, and I my gut if I if I had to stop being a doctor and just go on gut, my gut if the, if the medicines work I hope I'm right we have the test I think this thing's over I think it's just a matter of manufacturing
3: have I, you, I really do have you been able to talk to other peers in the field about about this and like what kind of sentiment are you getting from from them like do you are you getting like they're on the same page or you know everyone's confused or you know there's a lot up in the air um well but this sounds really compelling so i'm
1: curious and this is where you're gonna have to make your own decisions out there i find that a lot of physicians all in line Mm -hmm. they don't they don't really think for themselves but particularly those that work in academic institutions okay the ones that I see the most free-thinking, thoughtful, creative a lot of times are the ones that own their own businesses. Mm. They're, really, they're really looking at everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're, really, really, they're really putting their, their money where their mouth is. They're not just doing a protocol because it was written up. They're, they're doing the protocols that actually are the most effective. I couldn't tell you the amount of silly things that I do just because it's in some policy versus things I could do that would actually really reduce, let's say, infectious disease risk. <laughs> sure. I can tell you, I, I could spend a whole nother several hours telling you some of the most asinine things that I do in my business because it's a policy. Some regulation has, it won't do a thing for increased patient safety, but I could tell you some easy things that I could, but you can't do.
2: Hmm.
1: So, so it, what I find is more the free market thinking, if you will. Sure. I, absolutely. They're like, Oh my gosh, I totally agree with you. Maybe. And the people that were fall in line academic, whatever's coming from the administration above them, they're marching to that tune.
3: Yeah. They're just more constrained, perhaps. Um, Interesting. I
1: I don't know. And I do find that, that even though you don't want this to be political, you find that it begins, treatments begin to get, become divided in a, in a political way. You got people that want to treat them and their own and their town. Right. Versus a more global system. Right. Help the Mm -hmm. community versus help the individual in front of you. Neither are bad. There are a lot of things about help the person right in front of that's a classic when you go take classes in college, you know, contemporary moral issues and and other sorts of things, and you okay, do I help the person right in front of me or do I help the person that's starving in another country away from me? Right? Do I help the whole social society in the whole? What's good for the whole society? What's good for the for the person right in front of my face? Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm finding a lot of this divide. I mean interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, like if you really wanted to take care of you and your family, you'd go secure some of this medicine. Right. But as a whole, you don't want it to run out. So for everybody else, let's all hold back and everyone stay indoors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, so maybe that's really all I'm saying is there's not enough for everybody, but the people who are in the know are securing enough for themselves. You know, I, you know, I, I tell you, I I don't want to mention the doc's name, but let's just say at the highest, highest levels of our conglomerate of medical journals, this doctor, who is, like, so, so well-respected, actually got out on this, this video blog and said just a few weeks ago there was absolutely no evidence whatsoever at all showing this hydroxychloroquine works. And my jaw dropped. That was an absolute outright lie. hmm I mean, the man lied. There's absolutely evidence showing that it might work. He's, like, unequivocally no evidence doesn't work.
2: hmm
0: yeah,
1: that's and a that's that's, a pretty big shit. That's, that's shift, the minute yeah. I know. felt like a very weird feeling. Yeah. Wow.
0: Well, um, kind of stepping back from all of this, like, what what do you think of? How do you think the the market's going to respond um, if this comes out? How do you think things are going to get back to normal? You know, how long do you think the production rate of some of these, you know? some of these pills will take, uh, for the supply chains to get ready to ramp up. Like what's that? I
1: really, I really think that we're only a few weeks. Again, we're not a few weeks away when I say few, maybe I'm gonna give you a number two. Mm -hmm. the reason why I say that is it's not like you need enough pills, enough tests for everybody. You need enough pills, enough tests to stay ahead of the curve. Right. So as people catch it, you can treat it right. Or prevent it in the high risk. Mm-hmm. They keep talking about flattening the curve, which is a brilliant idea. It's just saying that you know you make sure that as people get it, you've got enough hospital staff and hospital beds and hospital equipment. Mm-hmm. I think if everyone hunkers down, maybe a couple weeks, we've got enough staff, supplies, you know, um, pills that I do think are going to be working, um, and tests that can rapidly diagnose people that you can now be able to go i mean just think about this what makes it so bad you keep hearing this in the news and this is one of the things that's true is right you spread it for a week right you spread it for a week before you know it Mm -hmm. well if you have a test really quickly you've just cut a lot of that week away haven't you yeah that's true okay so that alone should tell you wow okay, you're starting to see the end of the beginning so how do i translate that into the market okay again i'm not Financial guy, I do run a business. I'm proud we've been able to grow it really, really well and, and what we've been able to build it up. And we've got about 45 employees. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. But all I can tell you is what I've done. And with the minute I saw the market hit go under 19,000, I put every single penny I had in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Because I said, this is not, I don't know where the bottom is, but I, I still, what I'm saying and what my gut's telling me is that we have an end game solution at this point. We don't have to wait on the vaccine. We need to get that vaccine.
3: Sure.
1: Right? right. We need to get it. But we have a solution in the meantime.
0: Well, and then what did, what did J.P. Morgan, what was one of his classic lines was like, don't buy unless there's blood in, blood in the streets, you know. That, that's right.
1: <laughs> I, I can't remember if that's J.P. Morgan, if that was a Warren Buffett. That's right. You buy when there's blood in the streets. That's exactly right. And I looked at a situation that early on I didn't see an end to it. Now I see an end. And this is this going to be a little bit of a bouncing ball. Okay, and what I mean by that is we're going to quarantine, we're going to see numbers come down, right? Then we're all going to get back out, so what's going to happen? Ball's going to bounce back up. Mm-hmm. But with all the measures in place, that ball, every time it bounces, is going to go from a bouncing like basketball that's that's got a big rebound to a hacky sack.
0: Right, the half-life is just going to keep getting cut, 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 cut. Right, because and, and hopefully think, that, think about what's
1: happened now. Yeah. Now you get back out, right? Now we're going to be able to test people quicker. Now we potentially have a, I don't want to use the C word. Let's just say treatment. <laughs> okay. Um, and okay. On top of that, a lot of people have already been infected and are now immunized to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So every time the ball bounces, even if it's got, got a big rebound, like a basketball, right? It's still not going to bounce as high as the last time. Right? and but what we can do is every time turn that ball from a, a basketball to 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 a little bit of less buoyant ball to a little bit you know boom boom when you, you get my idea you get my analogy here
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and then you hear some people going oh this is going to last 18 months and it's going to be here with for us forever oh bs yeah it'll be with us in the sense that it's still circulating but the point is i think we're going to get it to be a circulating common cold
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To stop scaring everyone like this is here forever and this and that no the minute you get a vaccine it's not with us forever we got a vaccine right the minute, right. The minute you get a, a pill that's working yeah it's out there but then you get sick you get tested and here's the deal guys if you prevent it from getting to your lungs you're okay so if you start if we, we know this is works and we know it's safe so the minute you get five days of a sore throat five days warning on average of a sore throat before it goes to your lungs The damage is not done when it's up in your upper respiratory. It's done when it hits your lungs. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So if you have pills before it's your lungs, you're done. You're fine. Now, right Mm -hmm. now, they're only reserving it, obviously, when it's really in the lungs and further. It's really gone into this. I mentioned, you know, part of the virus, it's not just how it's attacking, but the body in many cases, some people do, some people don't. The really unfortunate ones that pass away, their body Mm over-inflames. It overreacts. And it's the inflammation It ends up clogging up all the airways, and then they're on vents. And then all of a sudden, they start spiraling into multi-organ failure, and Mm -hmm. they pass away. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay? it's See, which is interesting about the Plaquenil drug, again, not only does it seem to fight that pathway for that virus to get into that cell and to be able to replicate, but it also is an immune modulator. It turns down that reaction. It's like a double whammy, almost like a perfect drug for it. If indeed it is working like we think it is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's doing two things. So, you know, that, yeah. that's, what's really going on. So when you hear this, Oh my gosh, it's here forever. Say, well, yeah, but not like here forever pandemic. Right. Right. If I told you the common colds here forever, did I just scare you forever? No. Mm-hmm. You go, yeah, I hate the cold. It sucks, but it's not like I'm, gonna, I'm still going to sleep well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're, 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 what I'm saying is we're turning this thing. Into the common cold, and I, I fervently believe that we are fighting hard. And I tell you, what's exciting is if we can do that with one virus, really pulling together. If we can just drop the politics and do that, man, then then we could do this with all viruses. Mm-hmm. But, you know that the I would say what really scares me is not the coronavirus. What scares me is coronavirus 2.0. Not, not, not that this coronavirus mutates. That's actually, it's actually showing less mutagenic properties than the flu, by the way. Okay. So that, that the idea that when we get a vaccine, it's going to work and keep working is pretty awesome. That's why it's been hard to come up with the universal flu vaccine. The dang thing mutates so easily.
2: Right. Okay.
1: This doesn't appear to be doing that, by the way. So, um, (laughs) what I'm worried about is the next one that comes out of a country and they also keep their mouth quiet. You know so yeah. that's why i think it's good to think about how did this actually come about i think in fact it's the responsible thing to do how did this come about so if we're really going to be prepared and really going to treat if we're really going to treat disease we prevent disease if we're going to prevent disease and we realize this did that what do you do you don't just get rid of it now but you learn how to quicker how to make vaccines even quicker with with artificial intelligence
2: mm-hmm.
1: right you, and then how to manufacture even quicker. So the biggest things that takes a vaccine to get there isn't so much the trial. Come up with a perfect little protein match, boom, key lock. We got it. It kills it. All right, now let's make sure it's safe in animals. Okay, good, it's safe in animals. All right, now let's make sure it's safe in humans. Okay, good, it's safe in humans. Now let's do a lot of humans. Okay, great, it's working and efficacious and safe. Okay, now we got to manufacture it Yeah. to make enough, yeah. enough millions of it. I mean, this is not a quick process. But with AI and manufacturing capabilities, we speed that up. That's one thing. Then we also realize America needs to stop becoming reliant on other countries. Okay, and there's a difference between wanting to believe in, in a world that loves each other and loves to trade. I, I love that idea. But there's a difference between loving trade and being dependent on trade. Yeah. Like, like you have to have them in your life or you're crippled. So every single bit of medicine and, and medical utility. You know, tools, diagnostics, the PPEs you keep hearing about in the news—we shouldn't be reliant. I'm not saying you don't have trade and you don't work with all the countries and we come together and it's a wonderful thing to trade with countries that helps their economies, helps ours. You know, there's some my things about the community of the world. There's a big difference between that and not having the capability to take care of your own self.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean. I, I I'm with you on that. I mean, on on some levels, you know, we could always look at the the trade between different countries as you know, is it is it healthy? Is it less healthy, or is it abusive? You know, so um, maybe we could you know make that a little easier. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think the answer is just cut off all trade. But you know, anything that's self reliant is always good for every every country and every community. You know, it's It's good for the guy right around the, in the neighborhood, you know,
1: it's, you know, it's good that we can go a long distance and drive to uh, a Costco and get a ton of meat and and eggs and milk. Right. But it's also good that, that your neighbor, Bob, he's got a chicken house. Okay. And when, when the (laughs) veritable crap hits the fan, you can go to Bob, right.
3: You
1: know, um, So what, and in fact, you're beginning to see a lot of that, uh, again, I'm not making this into politics, but if you talk about blue and blue country, red country, you're seeing a lot of the red country is doing a lot better with the virus because they're the OGs of social distancing. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you go ask some guy that's got a trailer on 10 acres to social distance. He'll laugh at you. You say, well, that's, that's my life. Yeah. You know, got their own chicken house and, and, you know, cows, maybe and make it a (laughs) People that literally can, can from the earth, pull out their food and totally be reliant, make their own energy. Maybe they got a, a windmill, maybe, you know, whatever they got, their own well. The people that were more, they're more used to, hey, i take care of myself. I don't need maybe a government to take care of me. They're doing better. Again, I'm not saying that's what we should all go back to and not have this great society, these great cities that work together in unity. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that maybe we've gotten off balance and we're too dependent on our highest level of government or too dependent on the rest of the world yeah we can't take care of our own household if if that variable crap hits the fan true
0: true thank you for for sharing all this information and i'll get some some stuff written up so we can publish this out this this topic is definitely not in our wheelhouse but after you and I had talked, I thought this would be something that we should distribute out and try to help influence, you know, and and inform in a way that's sober and hopeful for the things that are coming down the road. And then, you know, from my side, you know, I really want to just encourage people just hold every thought captive. Um, try, to, try to identify if you're feeling fearful um, or if you're just... You know reacting in in a way that's cautious you know to to an environment in front of you so um, because you just see a lot of different people reacting in a variety of different ways and and I I just personally don't think that fear is the best way to do it we got to kind of step back get some perspective and and hopefully that can help out in the situation so um, thank you for providing the information that you've provided and and the hopeful outlook
1: on things, uh, along with some of the science. You know, I, 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 certainly appreciate the opportunity to give my medical perspective. It's so good to hear, I mean, your audience, and, and I don't know if they're more driven by a lot of the, you know, information technology out there and it'd be good for them to hear a little bit of the medical, but the one thing I'd, I'd like to leave on is that I hope, you know, a lot of people talking about the things that are good, you know, being time with family and all that. Um, it's bringing people close. I've actually seen some articles about relationships being saved because they're, they're getting to know each other again and their intimate lives are, are much better. I think it's such incredible news to hear. But I hope in a time where it seems like for the last 10 years plus, at least in my life, um, politics has really driven us apart to where we, it's not like we just believe different or think different. There, there's, a, there's a level of hate mm-hmm. out there for the other side Um, on both sides. Okay. And I would hope that when something like this happens, that it, it doesn't, this ought to be something where we say, Hey, 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 look, I know you feel the way about this issue. And I feel this way, but right now we have a common enemy and that's the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And maybe even we have a, a common enemy overseas that could have helped prevent the spread of this. That's a whole other issue, but we're not our enemies. I'm just—I know there's a lot of people in Nashville that could listen to this, but if I'm speaking to the Americans here, man, you got to put your Republican or Democrat differences aside. Yeah, you got—you got you to stop talking bad about the Democratic leaders or the Republican leaders, whether it's Congress, whether it's President. Focus on the fact—I really think they all care. I don't think there's one single evil person out there. I think they all have some agendas, and I really was unhappy to see pork put in the, those stimulus bills. I think that was—that was horrible. Okay, to do that. It ought to all be about just helping people, but I really wish they would just put all that aside and go, okay, look, look, we have a common enemy. Let's work together. So the one thing I like to see is when they really work together. And, you know, in in your households, if you can put all that stuff aside and say, look, man, let's put all the political stuff away. Let's talk about ways that we can actually improve.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah.
1: And, and that's what I'd really want to, to, to leave it with. And so I hope I see more of that. I maybe won't. I wish I could see more of that in the news where they put that inside for a little bit. You know, the, 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 the sides that are, you know, the news channels that are more for this one or more for that side, but I'm not seeing it yet. So I'm actually seeing a lot better news on blogs like this.
0: Right. Right. And, and I guess I'll, 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 I'll leave my last two cents in here, and then, Sandy, you can, you can add on to this. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is, a, this is a, a rare time where, you know, when things get back to normal, hey, you know, like, what, what are some things of kindness uh, that we can do for even strangers or people that we know or people in our neighborhood? You know, like, people, I think people's hearts are open for, for more connectivity because everybody's been stuck at home. And um, I, I just I just think that that's gonna be an opportunity for a lot of people, just relationally, even if you've got kids and whatnot, to just maybe maybe step back and and start expanding relationships in in your life, in your family's life, and uh, just impact those around you a little bit more.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a totally completely reflective moment for the entire world right now, while we're. At home, trying to stay home so we can keep everyone else safe um, as much as possible. And when there are so many unknown variables too, um, I've been. It's been. It's. I think everyone is pretty stressed. And Mm -hmm. but I think so far, at least in my day to day experience, um, and I'm. I'm also one of the fortunate ones that, you know in terms of our business and what we do we've we have not we've had to make some adjustments operationally but we have we haven't had to we haven't had very major hardships the way so many other industries have had um so we're going to be reassessing and things i think for quite a while once this yeah. is during this time and once it's all over and um I, I definitely i feel for so many americans and also just other humans out there, because everyone's being affected by this right now. Um, but I definitely, you know, I appreciate everything that you brought to the table today. It was really, really interesting to hear a medical perspective, and and also just a good reminder about with medicine, there is a lot of trial and error. Um, there's, you know, it's just gathering as much information as you can and trying to make sense of it and trying things and being open, um, which I, I mean, I, that's kind of the biggest sentiment that I that I heard from listening to you this afternoon.
1: Well, it was certainly uh, a pleasure was on my side. Um, so I hope you guys obviously stay safe. I'm, I'm, I'm available as more things come out, we can certainly follow up with this, but <clears throat> I hope um, that this in fact gives people hope i think there's a lot of things in there to make people um have a bit more peace with it
0: yeah yeah Yeah. i'm with you well thank you and hopefully we'll have a follow-up on this yeah in a little bit thanks guys
1: cool see ya